Hi there, you're listening to the Guitar Speak podcast recorded here in Sydney, Australia and Zoomed all around the world through iTunes and Stitcher. Actually, iTunes, I think they're calling themselves Apple Podcasts now, but it's the same thing. Anyway, there we are. Great to have you and thank you for such a great uh, reception to the interview with Joel McDonald in last week's show. Joel is absolutely fantastic guitar player and um, the day of the interview, I actually went to see uh, Joel's band, Frankie's World Famous House Band, playing at Frankie's Pizza in the middle of Sydney, and they were unbelievable. Oh man, they were playing, um, what were they playing? They were playing like Old White Snake, Van Halen, some Mr. Big, some, uh, some old Rod Stewart stuff, and they just killed it. They killed it. I was blown away, and um, Joel was, was fantastic on, on guitar. So uh, thank you guys. I um, hope to see you guys play again soon. If you're in Sydney, definitely Monday night down at Frankie's Pizza is, um, is a great thing to get to. Now, of course, uh, Joel's got some gigs coming up with Rose Tattoo as well, so check those out too. All right, now on to today's guest, Joe Robinson, young man uh, from the northern coast of New South Wales. Spent the last seven or so years in Nashville, and he's ripping it up, doing some amazing things as a as a sideman, but uh, even more so as a solo artist in his own right, and doing some fantastic stuff. I'm looking forward to sharing that interview with you. But before I do, I just want to say thank you for tuning in. You might be new to the show. You might have been listening uh, for a while, but it's been great. We are just about to celebrate our first anniversary. We've got our first anniversary episode next week, and that features, spoiler alert, Scott Henderson, incredible fusion guitar player with an amazing career and lots of great stories. So I'm looking forward to sharing that interview but also celebrating one year of the Guitar Speak podcast. So yeah, thank you so much uh, for coming along for the ride. There's a lot more to come and uh, we're having a good time doing it. Remember, you can check out all of our episodes at iTunes or Apple Podcast, um, Stitcher. You can go to guitarspeakpodcast.libson.com and follow us there as well. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, etc., etc. blah, blah, blah. All right. Today's interview, Joe Robinson. Man, what a player. This guy, 25 years old and already a veteran of some 2,000-odd gigs. Just let that sink in. Joe came to the collective attention of of Australia probably uh, around 2008 or so when he won uh, the TV show Australia's Got Talent. But there was a huge backstory well before that, at around the age of 10, became obsessed with the guitar, practicing hours on end doing his own solo albums, playing lots of gigs. A total disciple of the, the Tommy Emmanuel Chet Atkins school of, uh, of that finger style, chord melody stuff, and a, an absolute master at it. Joe talks us through the influence of players like Phil Emanuel and his brother Tommy Emanuel uh, as, as mentors on his career. He talks about the move to Nashville at the age of 18 and establishing his career there as well. Joe talks us through playing in the band Guitar Army with, you know, Robin Ford, hanging out with Robin, trading stories and licks. Very, very cool. 
The other thing about Joe I love, he's not just an acoustic wizard, he's a fantastic electric player, great singer, great songwriter, and just wails on a strat most of the time, or Gretsch, or what have you. So we check out some of his electric stuff as well, which I absolutely love. Robinson, welcome to the Guitar Speak podcast. Thanks, Matt. It's good to be here. Great. Cheers. Great to have you, man. Hey, where were you brought up? I grew up in, uh, yeah, I, grew, I grew up kind of in Temagog, which is, uh, you know, a little west of Kempsey, the mid-north coast. Oh, ah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a, a little a little north of Port Macquarie. Yeah, beautiful. And uh, yeah, just, just a little west of Kempsey up there was a, was a nice... Nice little upbringing, Temagog, New South Wales. If you doodle, doodle Earth it, you'll just see green. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> now, now, how far is that from the beach? Uh, Crescent Head from Kempsey is about 15 minutes. So from kind of the house I grew up in, you know, it's about 45 minute drive. Yeah. From where I went to high school, it was you know 20 minutes to the beach. Cool. It's not too far from the coast. Very nice. Very nice. Probably a bit closer than you are nowadays in Nashville. Yeah, I'm a bit landlocked these days. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you, um, we brought up with a musical family. How did you get introduced to music? Yeah, so my mom plays drums and, um, you know, and piano and, and sings a bit. And, you know, my dad plays guitar and banjo. So awesome. it's def- definitely was music, you know, around the house when I was growing up. And uh, I remember being like, you know, eight or nine years old and, they'd all be jamming with, you know, a, a group of friends and they'd be playing Blown in the Wind by Bob Dylan and, you know, a lot of uh, Beatles songs and, you know, really great music. And I just remember kind of looking and going, oh, that's pretty cool. And my mom played in, you know, a, a couple bands in and around the area. And, uh-huh. you know, uh, I was kind of just, you know, always hanging out at their rehearsals. And eventually... You know, I started playing music and put together my own little band, and it just felt like a kind of continuation of, you know, what my parents did. So definitely was, a, you know, a, a musical upbringing. That's great. When did you end up yeah. um, playing for yourself? Well, uh, I first started playing guitar when I was 10. Yeah. And uh, around that same time, I'd only been playing about six months or so, and, and it was kind of like, oh, you know, it would be really fun if, if we had – you know, a band and we could go and battle the band's competitions and, you know, write our own songs and do that kind of thing. And all I could play like hit the road Jack and, um, a couple <laughs> really simple songs, but right. you know, we had like, like a little school band at Willow Warren primary in, uh, you know, and, uh, it was literally like there was, you know, Lachlan who played the recorder and we were like, Oh, you can play sax. And there was um, Andy who played the bongos. We were like, oh, you can play drums. And then there was a girl, Caitlin, who, whose father was a great musician. And we were like, oh, you can play bass. I'm sure you can figure it out. So, you know, we started playing gigs. And um, 
yeah, we got um, we got pretty good and made a CD and won a few Battle of the Bands competitions and that was kind of how I started. You know, I the first time I performed, I just I just was like, this is so cool. I just became obsessed with it. So wow, so you loved it straight away. Had Absolutely. You, had you already been playing? I think I think I read somewhere you'd been playing keyboards before that. You'd been learning like piano lessons. Yeah, I uh, I took you know piano lessons bef- like from age six thereabouts and i just hated it i absolutely <laughs> hated it like i i would you know get up every morning and my mom would be like oh it's time for piano practice and you know I'd, I'd sit down for 30 minutes or however long i could concentrate when i was six to seven yeah and, and i'd practice and you know it got to a point where i actually changed schools and there was a guitar teacher at the uh, school that i changed to and and I was like, Mom, can I quit the piano? And she said, Well, um, you know, if you're gonna learn the guitar, you better practice because otherwise you'll be straight back to the piano. So <laughs> that was that was my incentive for, okay. for practicing. Wow. So as yeah. you said though, when you did that first performance, you really you really caught the bug and you became obsessed. Yeah. Um so this is around ten years old. So I so you what were you doing in your guitar lessons then? And and you know, how did you take things to the next level when you were really getting into it? Yeah, I first started learning kind of like folk songs, you know, um, Hit the Road Jack, Horse With No Name, Leaving on a Jet Plane, and then kind of progressed to, you know, some blues progressions. And um, eventually I was playing Layla and Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton, you know, yeah, from the great. acoustic album. And and those were my favorite songs to play. I learned Nobody Knows You When You're Down and Out. Yeah, yeah. Those kind of songs. Yeah, I know the album well. Such a good record. Yeah, and um, and you know my dad could play a lot of those songs. So he showed me, and my guitar teacher showed me, and um, and I started to learn how to solo a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of my one of the my memorable songs from our first band, the Chaotic Penguins, we were called, <laughs> was uh, was Evil Ways by Santana. We used to play that. Wow, cool. And uh, and um, we used to play some songs by The Offspring. Yeah, nice mix. Some uh. <laughs> So, yes, <laughs> we played Offspring and Santana. Uh, Pink Floyd, we played M- Money. That was maybe a little, a little later, but uh, okay, yep. yeah, you know, that's the kind of stuff I, you know, started playing. Yeah, wow, so and, that's uh, really broad. Yeah, and I just kind of got to a point with my guitar teacher where, you know, he said, oh, you know, you should probably just, just teach yourself. Um, I was uh, learning a song every week, and then I'd I'd bring a new song back that I learned from you know someone else or tab or a book or whatever. I show him, and he'd be mm-hmm. like, "Oh, cool!" And we'd kind of we jam like that. But it was a great way to to start playing, you know, just playing songs and falling in love with the instrument, you know, um, rather than you know learning how to how to read notation or anything like that. At first, I feel like you know it was a good foundation. Yeah, cool. So you're playing both electric and acoustic pretty early on. You're, you're mixing it up, uh, yeah, pretty early on in your yeah. development by the sounds. Yeah, you know, well, it was like my first guitar I had for the first year was a little three-quarter size nylon string guitar that was, you know, like a $50 guitar that my, my grandmother got me when I was, you know, really young, like three or something. Uh-huh. And I, I like literally played that until there was no pain on the fretboard. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I, great. I, I, I wore it out and, uh, um, you know, I actually got loaned an electric guitar that I used for a while. There was a Emperor 
it was a, like a Les Paul oh, copy yeah, that was made yeah. in Japan. Yep, yep. Yeah. And so that that was like my Santana guitar that I yes. used to try. And, <laughs> I learned how to play smooth and Europa and Florida Luna and all that stuff. Fantastic. So, yeah. Cool. Bit, bit of both acoustic and electric. And you started gigging, um, yeah, beyond your school band. You you were gigging fairly early on. Um, when when did that start happening? When you started like doing, I don't know, I guess more serious shows or more guitar intensive yeah. shows. Well, uh, you know, the Chaotic Penguins. We kind of got a reputation of playing like every little school fundraiser and you know like community things for like the rugby the rugby team the local rugby team and the local martial arts grading and all these kind of things okay and, yeah um there was a uh an artist texas rose who is a you know singer and a great voice she's kind of like a janice joplin really soulful uh-huh. country rock um you know performer and, and she played kind of at the local pub in will warren where i went to school and uh and of course, you know, when there was a band on, we'd all go and hang out and see. And I'd, I'd talk to the guitar player and try and learn a, a lick or something. And uh-huh. uh, and they got me on stage to play. And I was playing like, you know, it was kind of like my Johnny B. Good moment. I was playing like some bluesy <laughs> solos or something. And, and Texas Texas was like, man, you can really play. You, sh- you should come with us to Tamworth and, uh, and play at the Tamworth Country Music Festival, you know, in three months or whenever it was. And... Uh, and I was about, I was 11. I was um, going to say, you must and, be like 10 or 11 and you're doing this. This is crazy. Yeah. And so, uh, so I was so excited to, to do that. And, you know, and she was, she was really the first person that kind of gave me my, my big break. And, uh, and there was a, there's a bass player, Chris Haig, who lives in Kempsey and is from Kempsey. And he played for a long, long time with the Emmanuel brothers, you know, in Gold Rush. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, uh, he plays, plays for Troy Cassidy and used to play for Casey Chambers and, you know, Graham Connors and, you know, a lot of great artists and he's a great musician and, you know, I kind of got to know him and he um, gave me the number of Phil Emanuel okay. and, uh, and said, oh, you know, when you're in Tamworth, give Phil a call and try and catch up with him, you know, because he has a reputation of being, you know, really encouraging to young guitarists and um, that was how I got introduced to Phil. And when I met Phil, you know, I, I, I was playing like Mr. Lucky by Jerry Reed and Jerry's Breakdown and oh, wow. Eric, I was, try, I was trying to learn Cliffs of Dover by Eric Johnson. Okay. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was, I, I was getting into some pretty cool stuff and Phil was like, man, he's like, what, how, how are you this age? And you're into that kind of like great music. And he was so encouraging. And um, uh, he said, man, you got to come and meet, you know, Tommy we're playing at West Leeds club at Tamworth, um, in a couple nights, you know, come along and, and in the meantime, you know, come to my shows and sit in and we'll play Europa together or something. Wow. Fantastic. So yeah, he was, he could not have been more encouraging. And, uh, and when I heard him and Tommy play together, yeah, yeah, I, I still remember the feeling of just being like so uncomfortable because it was like, I just couldn't contain my desire to learn how to play that kind of music and uh-huh. and they were just so powerful and and obviously they played together for so many years so it yeah. was just like you'd never seen two people play like that before and totally blew my mind and from then on i was just like you know obsessed 
with learning to play and and those guys were really the catalyst for me getting into so many different styles of music and and um starting to play as a solo you know one man kind of band like kind of like tommy does i got a maiden um you know a few years after that and uh that's kind of just it all grew from there kind of thing wow that's fantastic and um i think phil lives kind of up your way these days i'm not sure if he was then but he's he's a bit of a north coast guy as well yeah he is he's got a lot of family in coffs harbor you know his daughter jesse's up there and Mm -hmm. and she's playing around and um you know does a lot of gigs and is great and uh phil phil lives up on the sunshine coast oh okay yeah yeah but uh yeah you know and and through my early teenage years you know i was i was playing you know up the sunshine coast and down in melbourne and that kind of whole east coast you know i played a lot of different places with phil and with my own show and yeah with with texas rose too she took me all over you know and uh it was a great great musical education i I think excellent excellent and i think we'll we'll probably end up talking a little bit more about tommy because he he's ended up um still remaining in in very much in your your current career which which i guess we'll get to so um you ended up recording a debut album birdseed so how old were you when that came out i was 15 Okay, yeah. So that's what's that? Twenty, uh, sorry, two thousand five, two thousand six, something like that. Yeah, two thousand six, there thereabouts. Yeah, so, I was born in ninety one. Yeah, so. cool. So that album, um, so that was mostly original work. A lot of lot of solo finger style stuff. I was knocked out when I when I listened to that. That your that your technique was so together and so mature. Like listening to tracks like Chicken Licking or or Blisters. Um, but by then, I guess you're a veteran. You've been, you've been knocking that stuff out for a good four or five years. You know, it's funny. I remember when I, the way that album came about was um, Paris McLeod, who was, you know, on tour with Phil Emanuel playing keyboards. Mm-hmm. Um, we were at actually at the Holy Moe in Coffs Harbour, <clears throat> which is a little kind of hole in the wall little pub where they have a lot of music. And and uh, it was after the gig and we're all hanging out. And, and I had an acoustic guitar and was playing some songs because I just always played. I just, you know, have guitar, will travel. And uh-huh. Paris is like, man can you play me something you've written? And I had one little thing and he's like, man, you should, you should come to my studio and make a CD. And, and we talked about it. And, uh, the reason I made an acoustic album was, I, that wasn't really my main thing. Um, but it was just easier to make a solo record than, um, than to make a band record sure. with full production. And yes. we had, um, a rhythm section on, I think three songs. Yeah. Um, but other than that, it's mostly solo with a little percussion and, uh, and he was like, yeah, come to my studio, you know, in, in a few months or whenever it was and, and bring, you know, 12 original songs and, you know, we'll, we'll work on them. And, and I, I literally wrote the whole thing in like a really short amount of time uh-huh. wow. and, uh, and, and had a great time doing so. And, you know, during the recording process, you know, we'd punch in a lot and we, you know, it was, it was a lot of work to, to get, um, 
get the songs together because I, I didn't really, I didn't really, uh, um, have a lot of experience in the studio before. Sure, so, sure. you know, the, the first time you go in the studio, you realize what you really sound like and it kind of can be a little, kind of freak you out a little bit. So <laughs> it, it was a, uh, it was a great experience. And, um, after I made that album was when I, I said to myself, right, I need to be better. I want to be better. And I, I set my alarm for 4 a.m. every day. Oh, that, awesome. that whole next next year, like I was in high school, I was in probably year eight or nine. Yeah. And um, and I used to, I used to wake up in the morning. I had a chart on my wall, and I had like 15 minute blocks, and a and a grid, you know. And I had like scales, uh-huh. jazz progressions, um, playing with the metronome, right hand, um, flat picking, uh, you know, fit finger style arrangements. Uh, and I had all these different things that I would practice, for 15 minutes each every morning wow. and uh i would try and practice for four hours before school and then four hours after school that was my goal it didn't always happen but you know um um that's yeah that's i re- i look back on that time and just realized that that's like the foundation of everything i do to yeah, this yeah. day was was kind of you know <laughs> that those days of woodshedding is where, where it all started for me so wow that yeah. is that's brilliant i mean cool. to be so disciplined and focused at such a young age is um, is a gift, but to actually to do it, to do the hard work, that's the that's the amazing thing, and that's uh, obviously held you in, in fantastically good stead. That's great, Joe. Well, did you come up with the regime yourself? Was anyone giving you pointers? Okay, you need to work on these things, or was this just stuff that by this stage of your career you you realised were the were the um, yeah the parts you're playing you wanted to polish up? Yeah, it was just it was just myself, like. Um... You know, pe- people would, I guess people have asked me, you know, did you have parents who would kind of really push you to do it or anything? And, <laughs> and like, my parents were so, so supportive, but, like, I dragged them all over the place. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> to gigs and rehearsals. And it was like, oh, another gig, Joe. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, yeah, come on. I, I, and, uh, and, you know, that, they were supportive. I, yeah, I, I bought my first Fender Stratocaster. Um, a little just just before I recorded that album, um, and uh, and you know my parents went halves with me in it, and uh, and you know they were really supportive. But you know I, I just I feel lucky that I that I discovered what I what I was good at and what I was passionate about, and um, and I just decided to go all in on it. I um you know I knew I wanted to learn so much because you know I'd I'd listen to Tommy play and Phil and. You know, I was into Eric Johnson and Joe Satriani and uh-huh. Jane Go and all these people, and I'd just be like, I want to do it all. And um, and my mindset was like, I want to be able to be dropped in any country in the world, any corner of the world, and be able to um, make it as a as a musician. Like, I want to be just so good that you know nothing can stop me because I knew that's what I wanted to do. And um, and so. You know, my little kind of training uh, training log was a way of uh, kind of, you know, um, preparing me for all kinds of different things. Because, you know, a, a lot of people give me great advice is to be versatile and play everything and, and, you know, work with a metronome. And, you know, I studied instructional videos, DVDs and tapes, and, you know, I'd borrow them from people and mm-hmm. copy them. and. Yep. I just became. I had this library of um, DVDs and and VHS tapes, and 
I used to wake up in the morning every day and eat my breakfast watching Danny Gatton and Eric Johnson, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and so, you know, that's, that's where I got a lot of the, uh, you know, information that I was kind of wor- working up from is these sources. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. How, um, how are you getting your schoolwork done? How did that tie in for you? You know, I was always pr- pretty good at school. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I was really good at math, and I and I love I loved I loved math. You know, I, I left school when I was fifteen, mm-hmm. um, just before Australia's Got Talent. I was in grade grade ten. Yeah. I ended yeah. grade ten. I, I got a few weeks into grade eleven, and um, and I'd missed out on like six weeks of one semester. Okay. okay. <laughs> because because I was on the road with Phil and uh, and a variety of people, and you know, in Kempsey, you know. It's basically there wasn't a whole lot um, going on there, and it was I was playing in Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane and all these exciting places, and I wanted to go to the conservatory and music and yeah, yeah. Um, you know, my principal was like, obviously this is what you do, and um, and I I got really good marks. You know, I was you know within the top three or four people in pretty much all the subjects. You know. Um, and uh, and I knew that if I like fail, it flunked at anything. Like my parents would like whip whip me. Um, <laughs> uh, so I always, you know, I always did pretty good. But it was never like like every single one of my assignments that I could do on some kind of subject. I did math assignments on music. I did English assignments on music. I did science assignments <laughs> on music. That's great. Like everything was about music for me. So um, that was kind of uh the way it went and you know like uh i th- i think if you I-, I really encourage people to 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 find something they're good at and passionate about and just go all in because it's it's one of the best things you can do for yourself because you know you, you kind of owe it to yourself if 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 something really feels like intuitively something that you need to learn and figure out you know it's a real important thing to to um have the courage to to kind of go for that and yeah, uh, awesome. really do it. So that's what yeah. I believe. It's fantastic. I love that. Definitely, definitely. Um, you mentioned Australia's Got Talent. That's, um, I guess, when you got introduced to, you know, the general Australian public. That was the the television talent show, which you won for a fingerstyle guitarist to win one of those competitions is pretty rare as it yeah. is. Um, yeah, often it's it's some kind of you know singer, some sort of pop singer, um, which can be great too. But to have some um, some amazing guitar playing on national television was was pretty cool. Tell me about that experience. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Um, you know, I, th- there is a lot of luck involved in um, in getting me f- like from point A to point B. I feel like I feel like I'm really lucky that I just discovered what I'm good at and what I love. Yeah. And you know, there was so much luck involved in that in that show because. Um, uh, the, the story is I, I actually went to uh, – t- I took a trip to Nashville um, just pretty much straight after I left school. And uh, Phil Emanuel had given me Tommy Tommy Emanuel's number mm-hmm. and uh, and said – an email address and for his manager and, you know, said you should go over to Nashville and meet Tommy and see some of the players over there because, you know, it's, there's so much, so much great stuff going on and you'd be really inspired. And so I um, actually borrowed some money from my, my grandparents and uh-huh. uh, my mom and I took a trip to Nashville and um, we were here for, I think, like two weeks and I uh, met Tommy and uh, and I'd met him once before in Australia and played a little bit before him, but 
you know, he was so welcoming to me and, um, you know, took me to his house and, you know, went out to dinner a couple of times and he sat me down and listened to me play and, and was a little hard on me. He said, you need to work on your timing and you need to work on your melodies. And, and he really gave me some great kind of advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, we were staying in this hotel that was like, there was literally like crack addicts and like, it was really, really sketchy on the outskirts of Nashville. Uh-huh. And, um, and it was like a 30-minute taxi ride into town. So I um I had a I had two names to to meet with in Nashville, and both of those were kind of folks in the music business that have been known to help help um, international artists and Australians and all that. One, uh-huh. one was Jeff Walker, yeah. who unfortunately passed away um, about a year ago, and uh, the other was Ralph Murphy. And um, I uh, I took a meeting with Jeff, and um and he relocated us to this hotel that was right on music row in nashville wow fantastic which is which is the strip which is you know where all the publishing houses and recording studios are and so um i'm getting to how this connects with australia's got talent but what happened was we spent you know like a week and a half the remainder of our time at this hotel right on music row and i went door knocking on every single building on music row i literally took my guitar and I was 15, and I like, I had this long curly blonde hair and pimples on my face, and I just went in there and I said, oh, "I'm Joe, you know, I play the guitar, can I play for you?" And um, I I I just got to meet all these cool people. I ended up meeting the head of Universal in Nashville, and I met these famous producers, Frank Rogers, who ended up producing my next album. I met on that trip, and uh, you know, I met. Um, the main a and at Sony and like uh, <laughs> it was just the most wow. unbelievable thing. Like I grew up in, in Temagog. Like we got hot water when I was 10 years old. <laughs> like we had a, had a tin, a tin roof with a little pot belly stove and, yeah, yeah. and it was like totally in the bush, you know, and I just had this DVD collection and, you know, was like so obsessed with the guitar playing and uh, to go to Nashville and meet all these, you know, amazing people and see these incredible huge marble buildings and it was just the and to meet tommy and you know that whole thing was just the coolest experience so i came back to australia and uh i had a bit of a rapport with some people at sony in australia okay um you know i played the basement um when i was about 14 or 15 around the release of birdseed and some people from sony came out and were interested in signing me you know and that kind of thing and Anyway, I went back to Australia with this list of all the people I'd met in Nashville, and I uh, and I t- took it to my, you know, contacted Sony, and uh, and, sh- and she was actually the lady signed John Mayer. She was an American lady, uh, Courtney, and she was she she was great. I I, I um I really appreciated the way that she explained things to me about um you know what 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 a, a label needed from from an artist and uh anyway she said to me oh you know there's this tv show australia's got talent and um and they're looking for people you know to, they're looking for talent talented people to to go on there and make the show you know a really dynamic you know experience and and so it was uh it, it was it was it was kind of off the off, an off the cuff thing where, where i said sure i'll uh i'll go on it and i'll uh you know 
do whatever it takes. I was just pretty much willing to take any opportunity. I'd just been door knocking your places yeah, in Nashville yeah, and I got wow. back to Australia and I was just so amped. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I literally got booked on a flight down to Melbourne for the audition and I didn't even know it was going to be on TV. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had no idea what it was and I got vetted through the like, you know, I didn't have to send in a tape or anything. Like they knew that I was, you know, I was something interesting and okay. they put me on and, yeah. and, uh, and, uh, and I walked out on stage and well, they, they put you in this room. It's like a backstage dressing room yeah. and there were dancers and there was jugglers and there was, you know, <laughs> people warming up their yeah. voice and, and I'm not sitting there playing and I'm like, okay, what, you know, this, this will be what it'll be. And I walked out there and I said, howdy. And I looked around at the crowd and I was like, wow, this is, this <laughs> it was totally, totally a crazy moment. And I, and what yeah. went through my head was literally, this is just like I'm playing at the pub back home. I was like, this is just like another gig. Okay. Yeah. And I just went out there and did my thing. And the rest was a whole lot of luck because um, you know, people liked me. I think they liked that I'm, I was from the bush and they could tell that I was this, I was a very earnest kid. I uh -huh. was just obviously obsessed with the playing music. And, um, you know, they asked me what I'd do if I won the prize money. And I told them I'd, I'd buy my mom a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, these kind of things, these kind of things are what really, I believe, made me win the show, you know. And I played, you know, some Tommy Emmanuel arrangements of popular yeah. songs, yeah. Beatles songs Did and classical thing. gas. Yeah, yeah, great. And, uh, you know, they told me I couldn't play my own music. They said, play something that the audience is familiar with, which was a great, a great um, thing because obviously it connected with people and uh, it was such an amazing thing. And I had no idea um, I could win. You know, I, I just wanted to go out there and get some more gigs, really. <laughs> Howdy. Howdy. Hi there. Ready to play? Yep. Cool. When are you ready? Okay, he's special. You know, it was just it was an amazing experience on many levels, and uh, and from that moment on, um, I got opportunities to play in Europe, to play um, in like Thailand, and eventually Japan, and um, I came back to Nashville to to make a record with um, with Frank Rogers, who was a producer I met on my first trip to Nashville, and um, eventually I you know found management here and and moved to the U.S. Got a visa, you know the TV show helped me kind of get a visa officially, you know, it's okay. kind of a credential thing and yeah. uh, moved to Nashville when I was 18 years old. So that's kind of the whole, the first 18 years. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> man. You've packed a fair bit into those 18 and a lot since as well. Goodness me. So, man, so, um, so 18, you've moved to Nashville. How does that work with your family? Did, did, any of your family come over with you? Were you just by yourself? How did you How did you deal with that? Yeah, I uh, I just moved by myself, 
um, you know, my family knew that um, I'd been on the road with people all my life yeah, and yeah. I'd seen people do all kinds of drugs. I'd seen all, all kinds of people, you know, in different partying environments and uh, and my mom knew that I, I kind of was aware of how ugly that is sure. and wasn't going to like become <laughs> become a wreck yeah. or like get swallowed up in some Nashville music party and scene or something so yeah, yeah. you know she 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 really trusted me and you know growing up she was so protective um of me and uh and when i was 18 she just she just knew that i was gonna be fine over here and uh and i i had you know a good network of people i know over here that and she'd met a lot of them and yeah cool i i made like two or three trips before i ended up moving you know i went back and forth a couple times um within that year and uh um, there was a manager who came to Australia to see me play and my mom met her and, um, she ended up managing me and, uh, yeah, it was literally kind of like I came over here to make an album and ended up, oh, I might as well stay. I'll lease an apartment for a while. And I, uh, just kind of fell in love with the music scene here and I've been here ever since. Wow. Very cool. You've got a really, as soon as I spoke to you. Um, your accent stuck out because there's still a lot of Aussie in there, but obviously <laughs> there's this trans-Atlantic uh, or trans-Pacific, I guess, for us. Um, yeah, it's thing. Yeah, wow, man. I I wasn't sure what, what, chatting with you whether it would bring out more, more of the Australian <laughs> or not. I, I was in the studio actually today with you know a guy from Indiana, yeah. and uh, and my mum called me on Facetime and. Uh, and he's like, man, he's like, Joe, you sound you sound so Australian when you talk to your mom, man. And uh, you know, when I speak to Australians, sometimes it brings out more of the Australian accent. But uh-huh. here, it's like I've just learned how to how to communicate with people effectively. I, I speak louder than I did in Australia. Okay, yeah, and wow. that's an, that's that's kind of an American thing, you uh-huh. know. And uh, you know, I remember watching an interview with Tal Wilkenfeld. Yeah. Um, back in the day and being like man listen to her accent that's so weird <laughs> i was like I'm, I'm never gonna be like that and uh she, yeah she and, had the same sort of thing she probably was similar age i guess when she was touring around america yeah when she started that. yeah yeah wow. yeah and 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 she, and she was so, someone who kind of i looked up to in yeah. terms of someone that had, that had moved to america and done really well yeah, you know she yeah. did it a few years before me and sure. um and you know and we, we've become friends and oh, and fantastic like uh hung out together a little bit and yeah she's she's amazing but yeah i apologize to my australian uh for to a listen right now for my <laughs> accent and uh you know I, it's one of those things where to americans i've been told i sound so australian and yeah. i go home to australia P- people ask you if i'm from california they, they, <laughs> but um it, it changes like if i go home for a month i kind of i get it back and you know being here it's like yeah it's a bit hard to hard to um avoid but uh it's all it's all good joe we on behalf of australia we're very excited for you and what you're doing and if you're picking up a little bit of the accent that's fine no problem (laughs) i appreciate it mate thanks hey um so you recorded so time jumping that was the uh was that the first album you recorded when you moved over yeah that that was um the album i made after birdseed so that i came to nashville to make that album yeah and it was before i moved here and uh um 
it was such a great experience. We recorded it over five days in a uh, in a really great studio, and the person in the studio before me was Snoop Dogg, and <laughs> nice. uh, he 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 had gone to the local diner and ordered all their fried chicken. He said, <laughs> "Give me all the fried chicken you have." And, <laughs> Um, so I turned up in this studio and it's full of this fried, the chicken's full of Snoop Dogg's fried chicken. And, um, and, you know, I was recording through these like, you know, Neumann mics through a, you know, big, huge, I think it's an SSL console. And, um, and Frank who produced, um, you know, that record and the next one was really great to work with. And, uh, you know, really focused on getting good arrangements and, uh, you know, we just play the songs until I get them right and punch in here and there. And mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's uh, an album that I really spent a lot of time figuring out this, the the tunes and uh, tunes, and uh, it was it was such a, a great experience in my mind. So yeah, cool. Now that album yeah. again is predominantly, I guess, uh, you know, solo acoustic kind of stuff. Yeah, well, that 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 album's actually totally solo acoustic, and uh, and there's one song on there with a uh, uh, that I do out with uh, with Tommy, so Tommy played on one song with me. Yeah, nice, nice. I heard that. That's cool. It's cool hearing the two Cheers. parts. I'm not sure who's who sometimes, but it's it's all good. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're both using the same guitar, and I, I've I've listened to him so much. You know, it's it's uh, it, he's the number one influence on my guitar playing. You know? uh-huh. When I'm an acoustic guitar, I, I just you know, he, he said to me, he said, man, Joe, you have your own thing going. I'm so proud of you. And uh, and he's really given me kudos like that, which feels yeah. great. But he's he's so much of, um, like, uh, the way I learned to play, my vocabulary was through kind of the technique that I learned from, from Tommy's approach, learning Tommy's arrangements and songs. Uh-huh. So he was kind of, you know, the gateway to, to all these different musical elements that I now, you know, draw from. So. Stage though, are you writing like more sort of pop vocal kind of oriented material? Because your next album, the 2012, let me introduce you, certainly brings that brings that out. Yeah, yeah, you know, it was uh, it, it was it was a really interesting experience uh, ma- making that album. Um, you know, I this was after I'd won the TV show, yeah. and I um, 
I came to Nashville and, you know, and I really wanted to like sing and do that more. And, you know, I'd done it on the road touring a little bit, but you know, not, not, not really. And I didn't really grow up singing a lot. So, you know, Frank Rogers, who produced that album, I went to him and was like, you know, I want to do this. And, and he put me with a lot of different songwriters and I collaborated with um, some really talented writers in Nashville, which is kind of what people do here when they make an album, you know, they co-write, you know, country music and, People come from all over the world. Adele comes here and different people come here to write with all the talented people. And, um, you know, I uh, I had this idea of crafting an album that featured, you know, like songs where I'm singing and they kind of had like a maybe a bit of a John Mayer element um, and, you know, more of a singer-songwriter, little pop kind of yep. approach. And... Uh, and had you know these really intricate guitar arrangements underneath uh those songs so that's it's kind of i think of it as a concept album and um you know i had keith carlock play drums and michael rhodes play bass and like i had amazing musicians on it And it's funny looking back because I was like, I was 19 or something, and, and it was like, uh, you know, I just, I just wasn't really prepared to make an album like that. It was, it, it, some, in some ways, I look at that TV show and think, oh, it kind of, and it accelerated me in an, in an unnatural way, uh-huh. because you know, if it hadn't been for that show, I wouldn't have had the budget to, um, you know, go in and make a full production album like that. Sure. Um, but these days. You know, my show is, uh, um, you know, I play a lot of electric guitar. You know, I, I'm in this band, Guitar Army, and, uh, you yeah, know, yeah. and we toured last year was Robin Ford, Leroy Parnell, and myself. And, <laughs> you know, that's, that's that's like a pretty rocking electric band. So I play a lot of electric guitar as as well as, you know, the do my fingerstyle thing. You know, yeah. I just did 20 dates with Tommy earlier this year. Yeah, yeah. And that was, that was so awesome. And, uh Basically, my life right now is every day I'm not on the road, I'm writing songs. Okay. And uh, and I'm I'm working with a lot of great songwriters, but I I really am passionate about. I love being the person on stage that tells the story, and that and that I I just I feel like I'm not a guitarist that plays behind someone else. You know, I love being up there and telling my story, and I feel like that's it's one of those things where you know intuitively you have to kind of. <laughs> be in touch with what what feels like the right thing to focus on and spend your time in and uh and for me that is just trying to write great songs and uh yeah i mean there's a folk element there's a pop element there's a singer-songwriter element you know there's all these words you can use to describe it but essentially it's just trying to write honest great songs and uh and you know i i have a lot of performing chops under my belt since making that sure, sure. 2012 album yeah and uh and I'm really, really excited about the next project. It's going to be something I'm, I'm very proud of. I can already feel it. So. 
Yeah, cool. So, yeah. So when you say, like with that album, like for me, it just sounds great. It's very, for me, very sophisticated kind of pop with great guitar parts. Thanks. What The track that stood out on that, and I think you've, re, you've rejigged it a little, is the tune Out Alive. Um, yeah. Which is a fantastic song, man. So when, nice. you, when you talk about... Uh, um, when you talk about not being ready to make that album, are you talking in terms of your songwriting or in what way? Uh, yeah, like like my voice and my um and the songwriting too. You know, I okay. it, it it was kind of, and it, and it was kind of like it it was a big full production album. Yeah, you yeah. know, and it and it and it wasn't a big success. You know, it it didn't really um catch on. Uh, and and a lot of people in the interwebs, you know, have discovered that album and love it, especially in South America. You know, okay. people really, really. I get a lot of messages from Colombia and these places, but um, but I feel personally that creatively it wasn't my proudest moment. Uh-huh. And uh, and although I still play out alive, you know, during my show, and that's like that's become a song that's stuck around and the Adelaide and Skyline and oh, yeah, Hurricane. Yeah. You know, th- those songs are all off that album. And, Adelaide um, broke my heart, man. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you. Beautiful, beautiful I'd song. Say, uh, it's, it's good to know it might have connected. It's a, uh, it's, it's a, I, I'm, I really love that song. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I am. Um, uh, it's, it's been, you know, a few years before I've, I've made an album. And, sure. and it's kind of, kind of been on purpose. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm playing with a great artist, Rodney Crowell, at the moment. Yeah. And, uh, He's like a legendary songwriter and um, the best songwriter I've ever been been around. And uh, yeah, you know, wow. I play I play in a trio with him, and we all sing three part harmony. And um, and uh, you know it's all his songs, and it's the most amazing experience to kind of tap into that. And um, yeah, I have a lot of a lot of great influences right now. So yeah, cool. You've done um you've done a couple. Probably your most recent recordings have been. Um, the Gemini EPs, which I've yeah. been blasting in high rotation uh, recently. Cool. Thanks. I'm loving them. So you did a rejigged version of, of Out Alive. Um, yeah. So I think, am I hearing right? It seems like the guitar parts are still from the original album, but you might have redone the vocals and re-edited the arrangement somewhat. Yeah. What, what happened was there was a radio promoter who wanted us to have an extended version and to kind of remix it, mainly okay. remix yeah. So I I redid the vocal and I redid the bass and I um added a guitar solo in the end and and I um on that Gemini Volume One EP I worked with Jakir King, who's a great um, producer and I and he just mixed the tracks that I recorded and uh, okay. Um yeah the the kind of idea was to um yeah just do a remix of that song.
And those two, those two EPs, as well as Toe Jam, there was three EPs I did, you know, yeah. since that album, and, and uh, you know, I produced. Um, I worked with Blue Miller on Toe Jam, uh, who's still, you know, a great friend and collaborator. But uh, the idea was for me to play all the instruments and kind of do my own creative thing, which is totally the opposite of um, Let Me Introduce You, which was working with different songwriters, working sure. with different studio musicians in you know, like a, a mega, mega one of the best studios in the world, Blackbird and, um, and the castle. And, uh, and I, um, basically just did it all <laughs> myself. Nice. That's cool. And, uh, it was a cool thing to get out of my system. Uh-huh. And it was, and it was, a, uh, you know, I, I think they're, they're, they're really pretty, pretty interesting and cool. And I'm glad you've been blasting. I appreciate that. Yeah, well, absolutely. Absolutely. There's some really, um, <laughs> some great tracks, Ebb and Flow I loved. And, um, I like how, I like how the, that becomes like a bonus track as well. I think it said on volume one, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's Yeah, with the spoken word. Yeah, the spoken thing. word. I love it. Is that you? Is that you narrating that? It's actually not me. It's actually my, my best friend. It's actually Lachlan Bray, uh-huh. who uh, played played keyboards and saxophone in the Chaotic Penguins back ah, in, in the okay. day. Okay. So we grew up together, and he lives in San Francisco. And, um, okay. Uh, you know, does a lot. He works with a theater company and does a lot of spoken word. He's a spoken word artist, oh, and wow. cool. you know, he's brilliant. And uh, yeah, I wanted to collaborate with with him on on something, and uh, that's kind of a, a secret track on uh, <laughs> on on Gemini Volume One. Nice. And I'm pretty sure it's on the digital versions too. So okay, you can listen to that if you want. It's pretty cool. He's nice. he's, he's brilliant. Turn nice. of phrase. He's a brilliant turn of phrase. Your housemates in a dreams while you're recording reams of riffs Stiff and cramped, the street light gives an unreliable lamp When they told you what it would be like to be a rock star They forgot to mention the time it takes to get the ascension They don't tell you about the long nights, the lonely fights Your inconsistent rights and wrongs Or the time it takes to pen the songs The time it takes to get the throngs of adoring fans and slow drip, I love um, just a lyrical picture that, that you paint there, the idea of playing your juice, filling the bucket, but it's a very slow drip. It, it seems like um, maybe that's a metaphor for the woodshed as well. Absolutely. That, that, I, I wrote that song um, by myself. And, I, and, you know, I guess, like, I've always been drawn to people with a strong work ethic because, you know, like... Like I said, we got we got hot water when I was ten. Like I, I, I used to, you know, wake up and I'd practice for hours and you know, in the afternoon I'd split wood and light a fire and you know, I'd do fencing with my dad and um just kinda like it was always always something to do on that on that farm, on that property and uh you know, I I think, you know, these days, you know, the hustle is real as as, as you might say. Uh-huh. And so you know, I, I just love the uh, the pursuit of trying to be great, trying to create great things, you know, um, sharing my music with audiences. And uh, and it is a slow drip. Building a career is, is a slow drip, you know. Um, I, I had some some really amazing moments like Australia's Got Talent, which was overnight kind of success. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'd played a thousand shows before I was 18. I'd played 2,000 shows up until this day yeah wow. so you know it's like i um it, it absolutely is a slow drip and and 
you wouldn't want it any other way because you know it's nothing more rewarding than working hard for something and and feeling the the uh, kind of tantalizing t- tasting progress you know it's yeah, it's uh, wow. it's like nothing else so to it's, fill that bucket is a slow drip yeah but well earned well earned when you when you see the progress <laughs> It's good, man. Yeah. Very cool. You mentioned Guitar Army. Now, some of us are lucky enough to have seen Robin Ford. Some of us, when I say some, a few people might jam with Robin Ford. You're actually in a band with Robin Ford. Tell me what that's like. Yeah, yeah no, it, it, um, it was a totally awesome experience. I, I learned so much. Um, it totally redefined what I think about guitar tone. Uh-huh. electric guitar tone you know he had his dumble amp on the road all the time and wow. um he was playing a, a 60 63 sg and he had a 64 sg he actually gave me wow and uh nice. he he might ask for it back but you know he was so he was so so great to me and um uh it was really a special time you know being on the road with him um and uh you know, Guitar Army Mark II is uh, is hitting the road this year with John Jorgensen. Wow. Takes stepping into uh, Robin's shoes, you Great, know, man. and uh, that's going to be a whole different, um, a whole different thing, and and really cool as well. And yeah, no, it's a it's a really fun project. You know, the idea is, you know, three, three, you know, gun guitar players, and um, and we all write songs and. Um, basically we each bring like four songs and we play it, you know, as an ensemble and we just kind of go back and forth over each one's material. So it was cool hearing Robin play on out alive, you know, for example, that yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> that was really fun. And, Fantastic. uh, you know, I got to play on some of his stuff and, you know, he, he, he was, he was great. Amazing, amazing musician with, you know, hearing his stories about working with Miles Davis and Joni Mitchell and George Harrison, mm. you know, it was just like amazing, totally amazing, really awesome opportunity. talk about your your rig what's been with that let's start with perhaps acoustics uh you still yeah. play maintenance or there are other guitars that have come into the fold you know i have absolutely no desire to own any guitars but my maintenance yeah awesome. um you know it, it might be nice to have you know a j45 a vintage or you know l double or something like a, a an old gibson and an old martin to use on in the studio a little bit but um because the maidens have kind of a, a, a bit of a modern sound, but I uh, I get so many comments from a variety of people on how great the guitars sound, and uh, you know I I really am proud to play them not not just because they're from Australia, but because I think they're I think they're just great guitars, and you know like like a Strat or a Tele 
or a 335 or an SG, mm-hmm. these are iconic instruments with a distinct voice and a distinct sound. Yes. And to me, like Martin have a distinct voice and a distinct sound. Gibson acoustics have that and Maitens have that. You know, I mean, there's a lot of other great guitar companies, but I, I personally just don't connect with any of them. Mm-hmm. Like I'm really, I plug that Maiden in and I use the little AER amp, you know, yeah, yeah. it's like the Tom, the Tommy Emmanuel rig, you know, yeah, cool. I've, I've, I've never <laughs> longed for anything <laughs> other than correct. that. I, th- I think it's just, it's just a great, a great classic sound. And I think years from now, Maitens will be, will be, uh, you know, uh, it'll be like, oh man, do you have a 2005 Maiden? It'll, it'll be like we're dealing in vintage fenders. I think yeah, wow. one day they'll be, they'll, um, kind of like looked at as, uh, you know, really sought after guitars. They are now, but even more so. so yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, I, I basically have a pretty simple pedal board. Yeah. Um, for acoustic, I use a, uh, what do I use? Uh, a little t- a tuner into a loop pedal, and I just switched to the TC Electronics loop pedal. I used to use the Boss one. Okay, yeah. And I did a commercial for the Boss one. Yeah. And it's great as well, but the TC one, um, I'm using at the moment. Okay, is that the Ditto? And uh, yeah, Ditto times two. Mm-hmm. And then I go into a uh, Strymon. What's the the re uh, the delay uh, the the little um, slap delay of the strumming. Oh yeah, the yeah, the, uh, yeah. I know what you mean. Not the one with all the presets, but just the little. The L Capitan. Ah, oh, that's it. Yeah, like the tape delay yeah, kind of vibe. The, exactly. Yeah. Into cool. the Strymon L Capitan, then nice. into the uh, Strymon Blue Sky. Uh huh. And uh, and I use a little Shaw D I S H A W Shaw, as you would say in America, <laughs> and. Uh, and I use that signal as well as it goes into the AER, and I use the AER signal as well. And um, the shore is totally dry sound to the board, and okay. the a- AER has the Strymon reverb and delay pedals. And I just use the delay for a little bit of um, slap echo. Yeah. Um, when I play with Rodney Crowell, you know, it um, it kind of is nice having that. But the Strymon reverb is is really great. I love that. Yeah, cool. And that's that's my acoustic rig. Um, yeah. I use a Wasnator stomp box. Shout out to Wasnator. You know, he's up in Byron Bay and makes these stomp boxes that I that I use. Cool. You know, like like a passive uh, foot stomp. Yeah, yeah. And does that go through just your normal rig as well, or does that go somewhere else? It uh, it just goes through like a DI to the PA. Okay, so it's a separate. So separate se- line. separate separate line, but that's my entire acoustic rig. I have um. Nice. I have uh. Pretty much have three, four, like four maidens. Um, yeah, which models? I have, I have my original uh, TE808. Yep. Which I actually use in the studio all day today, and it's, it's, um, it's the guitar that I played on Birdseed, and I played around the fire, many, many, many a night, and wow, it's cool. really, just being played in, in a really nice way, and it records great. Um, and I have. Uh, my my newer maidens, which were made for me um, in the custom shop, are my uh, my main guitars that I use on on stage, and you know they're they're just they're awesome. Cool. I get so many compliments from front of house engineers and different people who just you know flip out because 
Martins and Taylors and all these different pickup systems just don't sound like as good. Yeah, they just wow. Sound bad. A lot of them sound awful, I think. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I did, I'm really happy with the sound I get. And um, right, I use I use quite heavy strings. Yeah. I well, use a six sixteen high E. Wow. Is that in standard tuning? Um, so it's or using yeah. So or? it's just standard tuning. So it's a uh, it's set of twelves. And I use a 16 on the high E. Oh, okay, okay. Um, wow. And I, and uh, yeah, that's that's what I've been doing for maybe two or three years, and yeah. I really just love the way that it feels and sounds, and I'm just used to it. Wow. And, is it, uh, do you have to adjust your playing? Like, is it super loud compared to say the the second or third strings? Yeah, it is. It is a little louder, but um, I really like that. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, it doesn't sound unbalanced. Yeah. But, right. Um, you know, like I hear some people really attack the high E and make it like, I, I use a kind of a pretty soft touch mm-hmm. and I have, I have, um, I've had all my maidens refretted with uh, bigger frets, yeah. um, that are kind of a custom gauge by Joe Glazer. And if you're in Australia, Sydney guitar setups, I think they're called, they have yeah, a, plec, yeah. plec, a plec machine, P-L-E-K. Yep. And I, I've had some guitars set up there too. And the plec machine is like such an amazing way to set up the guitar i uh i pretty much have all my guitars just go there and i i'm always so happy and uh yeah the the high e thing just it just helps the melody notes sing a little on top and uh yeah it's 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 just real natural for me to do that now cool very nice with, with your custom shop maintenance what models are they kind of based on what body shape are you still sticking with like that 808 kind of shape or are you you're doing something different yeah it's an 808 with a cutaway mm-hmm. so it's just that on the back and sides on on my guitars are made of tasmanian myrtle nice um which is a little different from queensland maple uh-huh. and uh they, they made some some guitars some people order the one that i have like they call it the jr personal and okay. uh if you look that up online and you can see the specs Cool. But uh, yeah, the the uh, the Myrtle is is a cool is a cool. It's beautiful looking and it has a kind of pretty fast attack. You know the the, the maple Queensland maple is a little um maybe a little mellower and uh, this is a little more aggressive and yeah no it's a great sound. Nice, very cool man. And what about your electric rigs? Yeah, so my main guitars that I take on the road. Are a Gretsch White Falcon Junior, mm-hmm. and a and a custom shop Strat that's a kind of a based off a '63. So I use the '60 Strat and the uh, White Falcon, and I use the SG that you know Robin. I mean, I use that a bit as well. Yeah, I mean, cool. I have a couple tallies that I use sometimes, and uh-huh. you know some other other Gretches. But for the most part, the White Falcon and the Strat are my they're the ones I take on the road and yeah, play the most. Nice. And uh, the White Falcon, I have 12s with a wound G on them. Okay. So, you know, nice, he- heavy strings. Yeah. And uh, on the Strat, I have 11s with a 12 high E. So just a little higher. Okay. Higher yep. gauge on the E, but set of 11s. And uh, pedals, I mostly use, um, I use this J-Rocket Archer, which is like a, like a clone. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Like a mod clone kind of pedal. And I I just use that on all the time, 
and I love the way it sounds. And I uh, I use a eventide time factor delay, mm-hmm. which I really like. You can store presets in there, and I have presets for a few different songs. And and then I use a TC Electronics Hall of Fame reverb. And that's pretty much the the rig. I also have a wah wah pedal and a and a sparkle drive for a little more gain. Okay. Yep. Um, but I, I don't really have I don't I kind of just let my amp, you know, be kind of big and beefy, and then I back the volume off to clean it up a little bit, and I, you know, dig in to get a little more grunts. And I like a really dynamic guitar sound. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So your hands so, are really so I, driving the uh, the vibe. Exactly. Um, so that's, you know, I, I, I couldn't imagine playing with a compressor, <laughs> and that's just not, not, not my, my personal thing. Yeah, sure. But, uh, but the clone I really liked because, you know, the clone copied J Rocket Archer. I really liked because it, um, it doesn't seem to squash the sound so much. Like I love Tube Streamers too, yeah, but yeah. it's feel like a Tube Streamers like to play a solo on the top of something, but, you know, to play like a, a big fat rhythm track. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, it it doesn't uh, sound as open as this J Rocket pedal. Yeah, that I like. yeah, for sure. I mean, the Strat Tube Screamer recipe is awesome, but it it has got a very certain boxy, mid focus kind of honk, which you know is yeah. is fantastic. But it's not it's not it's not what you want all the time, perhaps. Yeah, and the Sparkle Drive is very much like a Tube Streamer, except it has a a parallel channel of clean. The clean, so, yeah, yeah, nice. So it's kind of like the bottom end you miss from the tube streamer effect, you can kind of dial that in on the clean thing and it kind of has a, it re- retains the, the beefiness a little bit, you know, it doesn't get into that um, midi thing. Yeah, sure. As much. Um, and as far as amps go, I have two amps that I mostly use. Yep. Um, one, one is a Fender Vibro King. Yeah, nice. And uh, the other is a is a, a Shaw S H A W the same guy who makes my, my my little DI box I spoke about earlier oh, and yeah. uh, it's a uh, it's a 30 watt class A EL 34 head yeah and it has an EF 86 preamp tube as well as a 12 AX7 um, okay it's just a real simple amp you know it's volume tone like a, a master volume and I just leave that on 10 always yeah. And I have a 212 cabinet with um, two WGS speakers, which are kind of like Celestian um, uh, type speakers. And uh, yeah, I use the Shaw. It has like a more beefy, bigger bottom end and is yeah. louder. Mm-hmm. And I use the Vibro King. It has kind of a sweeter, um, you know, more spongy, um, shimmery thing yeah, that nice. kind of suits lower volumes better a little bit. So that's basically... The rig, yeah. Nice combo. So I guess the Vibroverb is running, would that be 6L6s in the power section? The, the Vibrokin, yeah. yeah. It's uh, 6L6s and it's got three 10, three 10 inch speakers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just run it on three. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those amps where it kind of it breaks up pretty early. Okay. But there's, there's definitely a sweet spot. And a lot of people use them, like uh, Gary Clark Jr. and these kind of folks, um, mm-hmm. you know, use them. Um, and it's it's a great it's it's I think it's the only Fender amp that's hand wired. Okay. And uh and it sounds it's just got that big muscular sound and it's it's a great great tone, I love it. Yeah, cool. And that sounds like it would be a great uh partner for the shore with the the EL thirty four kind of vibe of that. Yeah. That's that's a nice exactly. nice thing to pair they're, up. They're, they're they're real different and it's it's really nice having in the studio 
having the option to kind of play through each one and um you know for a long time i i recorded two amps always oh, okay yeah. um and then robin made the comment he's like man he's like in my experience you always get a better sound out of one amp mm-hmm. and he said he, he said the album where stevie ray you know used like 20 amps yeah he said he said he didn't think the tone was as good as when he was just playing through <laughs> you know one amp but of course robin's one amp is a dumbbell that's right and, uh, <laughs> Is the most phenomenal sounding thing. Which I think he picked up for what, thirteen hundred bucks back in the day. I think he got in at the right time. Yeah, no, it's a it's a <laughs> spectacular sounding wow. sounding rig. Um, I love it that he still lugs it out on the road. That's cool. Yeah, you know what? He's he's one of the most passionate people mm-hmm. about uh, you know, about music and artistry and yeah. tone and you know, he just. I, I just get the sense he's not interested in compromising. Yeah. And yeah. that's really a, a huge part of his, you know, musical sound and voice is yep. that rig. And mm. I've heard him play through a Fender Twin and he sounds just the same. But, but you know, um, I respect his commitment to, yeah, that's to, cool. uh, to, you know, always trying to, to, to bring the, the A game and mm. the A rig. And yeah, no, it's, it's pretty cool. That's that very that. cool. It's funny you say that. I saw him. I've seen him at the basement a couple of times, and he obviously doesn't bring his dumbbell to Australia. But he had uh, a pair of rented Fender Twins. He had just a couple of pedals, you know, Tube Screamer, a Boss DD3, I think, maybe a Super Chorus or something. Really, just stock standard stuff. And he was playing a Telly. So, but he was doing all the talk to your daughter stuff, which was obviously his his uh, Fender Esprit. Um, guitar through a dumble, which is a totally different rig, but he did. He sounded exactly the same. He just, it's incredible. Wow. Yeah, no, he gets a great sound with that telly, and and uh, yeah, he's he's one of these guys where his attack and his fluid kind of thing is uh, is real distinct, and and you know that kind of translates no matter what you're playing on. You know, those kind of those elements, and he's kind of like me. Like I, he he has a real dynamic sound. You know, like um, he plays a Zen drive a lot, the yeah, pedal, yeah. the overdrive, and mm-hmm. uh, and the dumbbell has a super. It's so responsive, and um, yeah, it's. I mean, that's a lot of what I look for in a in a tone, and 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 what that allows is, you know, your real your playing inflections to really be the be the the voice, you know, and and he has such a such a great, you know, signature thing that's uh. It's real musical and fluid and expressive and great. Mm, yeah, Ty- timeless. Awesome, yeah. But I'm lo- I'm loving your electric tones again on especially those EPs. Um, oh, cheers! Appreciate sounds great. that. Man, when you're wailing on that strat, it's just it's glorious. It's it's so good. <laughs> cool, man. So, what's your um? You've already mentioned that uh, Guitar Army Mark II is coming out. Is anything else um, coming up for you in 2017? Yeah, I'm uh, you know, basically I'm on the road with uh with Rodney Crow playing and uh, that's been a great experience as I mentioned and I'm writing every day for a new a new album. Yeah, great. And I haven't really pl- planned out the specifics of how to do that, but sure. um very very excited about putting that together and crafting that body of work and I feel like I'm in a great place, you know, as a person to to uh really put forward a, a piece of, you know, a creative works that is, uh, is going to 
hopefully connect with a lot of people and uh, mm-hmm. I know that it's going to be something that, that I'm proud of. And, you know, I, I kind of really am as hungry as I've ever been, as passionate as I've ever been. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I'm uh, on the road with Guitar Army a good bit this year as well. And I'm doing some shows with Kenny Rogers opening for Kenny. And, that's cool. Um, yeah, it's, that's a blast. And, you know, doing some things with Tommy, um, you know, we, we did a bunch of shows earlier this year, which was so much fun. And, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful for my life right now because I get to work with a variety of interesting people, you know, no, no two gigs are the same. Mm -hmm. I'm playing pretty much in the United States, like 99% of the time these days. So not, not a lot of international stuff, but that feels like just the right thing to do for the moment, just to kind of build up for another international trip but uh yeah no that's kind of basically my world and um you know i i'm uh, i'm grateful to be where i where i am you know i still live in nashville and and i've been here for seven years now i'm yeah. 25 years old mm-hmm. and uh it's it's an exciting exciting thing and i always love ch- chatting to you know australians and you know, I, I saw that you had Brett Garstead on the podcast. Yeah. I, I think I saw that directly. And, uh-huh. you know, when I was looking up this podcast, I was I was so happy to see, you know, Brett um, listed because he his DVD when I was, like, learning to play was, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So inspiring to me. And, and mm-hmm. he's one of the most... And his column in Australian Guitar Magazine, too, he used to do columns. And yes, yeah. He, he, he did these, like four note arpeggios on each string and it was just the coolest stuff I ever heard and I was um I was hugely influenced by him and and um and uh yeah he 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 reaches out to me occasionally and comment on a video or something Uh he commented the other week I saw that yeah no a great great guy and an amazing musician so yeah I always loved plugging into the kind of scene back home a little bit yeah, great. Well, there's you know there's definitely some amazing guitar players in Australia, and um, yeah, some have, have based themselves you know obviously still here. Um, others like yourself have have taken it overseas. So um, as I mentioned before, we are really sincerely thrilled to see what you're up to. Um, you know, for many of us in Australia, we we first saw you on our TV. This little kid just smashing out the acoustic tunes, and um, <laughs> that you've taken your career a further step. Um, yeah, sincerely very exciting. So, um, yeah, we're very proud of, of what you're up to and very excited to, to hear what the next phase of your career might bring. Well, thanks, mate. Yeah, and um, and just quietly, we have a, a few Australian shows in the pipeline. Nice. Um, that hopefully will be announced soon. So um, okay. I'm looking forward to coming back and playing. You know, it's been a, it's been a while. And, yeah, great. Um, I, know, I know this podcast, I'm sure, goes all over the world, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's particularly nice to connect with you being back there so oh that's cool so what's the best way for people to um keep up to date with your stuff so your tour dates et cetera. Uh, yeah the the best way is you know facebook like my page you'll see where i'm touring and get updates on that stuff mm-hmm. um depending on your location you know it sends you updates yeah. and uh my website joerobinson.com has um all that information to the touring information it also has a comprehensive list of all my equipment and my guitars yeah, and all nice. that specific. So, you know, if you're into that kind of thing, check, yep. check that out. And, 
if you don't, if you sign up to my mailing list, you get a free bit of tab. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you want tab, but <laughs> if you cool. do, you, you can do it that way. And also, I'm on Instagram. I post a lot of videos on Instagram, and um, I'm on Twitter as well, but I don't tweet a whole lot. I'm on uh, Snapchat as well, but um, yeah, all the all the interwebs. Um, stuff. I, I participate and and. Uh, Maybe one day I'll even I'll even do a podcast. I've I've often wanted to to create a podcast. I I yeah, love cool. I love listening to podcasts. You know, after this I'm probably gonna eat some food and go work out and listen to some Tim Ferriss or some some cool stuff that uh, I enjoy working out to. So. Cool man, very nice, excellent. Well, man, thank you so much for your time today. Um, yeah, it's been fantastic to to meet you and hear um, more of the the backstory. Um, behind Joe Robinson, which has been so fascinating, and and as I said, yeah, really wish you all the all the success for um for your future career. Well, thanks so much, Matt, and and I hope this was you know a cool a cool podcast for people. I I feel like you know I I told my life story, and maybe that's not interesting <laughs> to everyone. Maybe you wanted to hear like guitar technique stuff, but we could we could always get into that another time. And uh, and I will say to people, you know, if you reach out to me online. Yeah. I might not reach out. I might not reply right away. If you email info at joerobinson.com, I might not reach out right away, but um, I'll eventually, hopefully, respond. And uh, and you know, I, I enjoy connecting with people on online and that kind of thing. And yeah, I appreciate appreciate the time. And uh, and yeah, it's nice nice chatting with you, Matt. Yeah, appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you, Joe. All right, there you go, my conversation with Joe Robinson. What a great player and young man with his head screwed on the right way and working really hard to build his career and his his artistry as a musician. And that's fantastic, really inspiring to hear that story. Joe, if you start a podcast, I will totally subscribe. (laughs) Very articulate dude. And um, yeah, so stay tuned. Check out his website as Joe mentioned. It's really great. That gear page Joe mentioned is awesome. He details all of his pieces in uh, loving detail, which I know guitar players dig. So that's that's really cool. All right, okay, I'm just about out of here. We, uh, we're gonna get Joe to take it out with um, the outro solo to Out Alive. This is my favorite song right now. Man, it is so good. And uh, Joe singing and playing on it is, is excellent, so. He'll take us out, but before then, remember, um, you can connect with us online, Instagram, Facebook, subscribe at Apple Podcast, aka iTunes, um, Stitcher, guitarspeakerpodcast.libson.com, and uh, we'll see you next time for our first anniversary episode. Okay, thanks everyone. My name's Matt Wakeling. We'll catch you next time on the Guitar Speak Podcast. In this crazy world.